You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, we have some competition happening. Who do you think is going to win? The campus pastors or the worship pastors? Well, you'll see it. So we conclude, we'll have the third video for you this morning. And you'll get to discover who wins the amazing grace. As we were uh, shooting this video, I was just reminded again of how much work it takes to make Grace Covenant happen and how many folks it takes using their gifts, abilities, honoring God and serving our Grace Covenant family. Mike mentioned this number earlier, 418, but on the Cornelius campus, every Sunday, we need between 340 to 350 people serving in different areas just to make Grace Covenant happen. So if you are one of those individuals we want you to know that we love you. We're grateful for you. Grateful that you would honor God in your life and with your life as you serve. You know, it's pretty amazing. We got the, uh, the data and we were working some numbers and discovered that right at 50% of our Grace Covenant family is serving somewhere in the life of the church. You know, that's pretty amazing, 50%. Oftentimes when I interact with my peers, when I interact with other pastors, they talk about the 2080 rule. You know what 2080 is, right? That 20% of the folks uh, are doing like 80% of the work. Um, well, here at Grace, it's not that way. So if you serve anywhere, uh, we want you to know that it's significant and we are grateful, grateful for who you are Again, that you would bless our Grace Covenant family. As I was just reflecting on how many people it takes, you know, there's so much that happens behind the scenes that you would probably not be aware of. We have a a great pastoral staff. I'm privileged to serve with some really gifted folks, but it's not the pastoral staff that makes Grace Covenant happen. It's individuals like yourself who are loving on God, loving on people, using the gifts that God's given you. I mean, like, I was thinking about just during the week, like we have this awesome group of of ladies who show up and they stuff our bulletins, 2,500. Every Sunday they're doing that. So when we get here on Sunday, it's ready to go, right? During the week we have individuals coming, like they're prepping uh, children's lessons and putting together all these craft plans so that when your kids get here, they have an awesome experience. Listen, that doesn't just happen. Like, people work to make that happen. And then on Sunday, we have so many different folks serving. We have some great folks out in the parking lot, parking cars. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're out there every Sunday no matter what the weather is. Like, if it's raining, have you noticed? They're still out there. If it's cold, they're out there on a day like today when it's hot. Man, they're out there helping folks get onto the parking lot, off of the parking lot. We have some wonderful folks on our hospitality team that make coffee for us. How many of you are grateful for that? And, you know, we need some coffee. So we have those folks. We have individuals who, are, who have musical abilities, um, vocal abilities who are leading us in worship. We have tech folks, like folks like behind the scenes. Like all of this stuff on the screens doesn't just show up. I don't know how it gets there, but there's some folks who make it get there, and they're amazing. And they're using their abilities to serve us. It's a part of the church family. We have uh, a group of folks serving on our elder board who are overseeing the spiritual life of the church. We have a church council overseeing the business life of the church. And I could go on and on and on. We have so many people who are serving. So if you are one of those, we just want you to know that we love you again. We are grateful for your investment 
in the life of Grace Covenant. So we're going to bless you with a few calories this morning. Stop by Clinton Hall and get a donut. And if there are any of them left, I, I don't know if there's any left, but the maple bacon donuts are, I, I'm, they'll be in heaven. That's what I know. So you can enjoy them now. You can enjoy them all eternity because they are unbelievable. They had to come from heaven. But today I want to talk with you in line with uh, honoring those who serve, I'm going to talk with you about discovering significance. Discovering significance in your life. And one of the things I know is everyone wants their life to count. Do you agree with that? Everyone wants their lives to be significant. Listen, there's nobody in the room today who would say, you know, I just want to exist and die and nobody really care. And no, nobody would say that. Every individual wants to be significant. So how do we find significance? How do we find more life in life? How do we find greater value in life? I believe that service is the pathway to significance. So how do we find greater significance? It's not through consuming more. It's through contributing more. And we find that consistent throughout Scripture. We find that modeled even by Jesus himself. We'll get to that in just a moment. But God wants you to use your life to make a difference in this world. He wants you to work. He wants to work in you and through you in the church. Listen, what matters most, you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to drive it home again this morning. What matters most is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. Not how long you live, but how you live the years that you have. You know, that dash, you know, on your tombstone, there's going to be a, 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 the day you were born, there's going to be the day that you die, and there's a little dash in between. What's your dash going to say? What's going to be the statement of your life? And what matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. See, God wants you to learn to love and serve others unselfishly. And as we do, what we discover is greater significance in life. We discover greater value in life, not as we live life for ourselves, but as we live life for, for others. Look at there to your notes this morning. The world defines greatness in terms of power, possession, prestige, and position. It's like the more people you have who serve you, supposedly the greater your status is. But Jesus actually, interesting, Jesus actually said the opposite. And Jesus modeled the opposite. Who Jesus was and how he lived is a contradiction in our culture today. It was a contradiction in his time, and it's still a contradiction today. Jesus defined greatness through the pathway of service. God determines your greatness by how many people you serve, not how many people serve you. And again, Jesus so modeled this. The Son of God modeled this for us. You know, in John chapter 13, you can read this story later, but let me just quickly summarize what happens in John 13. This is just before Jesus goes to the cross. A pretty significant moment. Jesus is celebrating Passover with the disciples in the upper room, and he does something quite radical. This is what he does. John 13 records the story. He takes off his outer garment. He takes the towel, wraps it around his waist, and he takes the basin, and he goes from disciple to disciple to disciple, washing their feet. And when he finishes washing the disciples' feet, when he finishes doing the most menial job, when he finishes doing the job of the household servant, he asks the disciples this question. He says, do you you know what I've done for you? 
And I think the disciples were a bit dumbfounded, like, uh, yeah, you just washed their feet. You just did what none of us wanted to do. You did what none of us were willing to do. And then Jesus answered his own question. Listen as I read from John 13. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example. Jesus said, I've given you a model. I've given you a roadmap that you should do what I have done for you. So Jesus was modeling for us the way that we should live. Not looking out for our own interests, but really looking for opportunities to serve others. I think what Jesus was modeling here in John 13 is this. Again, service is the pathway to significance. So if you want to find greater significance in life, if you want to find greater value in life, it's not about living for yourself in a greater way. It's really about serving serving others. See, you were placed on this earth to make a contribution with your life. Again, what will that contribution be? As Christ followers... A few things we need to understand. The first is this, is you were created to serve. God wired you. He made you to serve. Matter of fact, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 reads like this. God has created us for a life of good deeds. So why did God create us? To do good deeds. What are, what are the good deeds? The good deeds are this. It's our service to, to one another. It's living the service. So first, you and I were created to serve. Not only are we created to serve, but you and I are called to serve as Christ followers, as those who are following the way of Christ. What's the way of Christ? The way of Christ is serving. Listen, you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't get away from that. The way of Jesus was the way of serving. So if we're going to follow the way of Jesus, we are called to serve. Now, we've been indoctrinated in, in the church world to, to believe that, well, only pastors are called or only missionaries are called or only full-time church folks are called. And I would say, no, every believer is called. Your salvation call was your call to service. Matter of fact, I would say that a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. Well, because every one of us are called to, called to serve. Matter of fact, 1 Peter 4.10 Reads like this, each one should use whatever gift they've been given to faithfully administer the grace of God. Each one. Each one includes what? All of us, right? Each one, all of us should use whatever gift we've been given. So we've been, we were created to serve. We've been called to serve. Here's the third thing is you're going to discover greater significance as you serve. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. He's mentoring the disciples, and he makes this statement. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, they're chasing titles and positions. He tells the disciples, he says, don't do that. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, whoever wants to become significant among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be last. And Jesus then uses his own life as the example. He goes on to say, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So according to Jesus, the way up is down. 
The way to significance, the way to greatness is not found in serving yourself. It's discovered as we serve others. But if we're honest, here's the challenge. Serving is the opposite of our natural inclination. There's a problem, and the problem is our humanity. Most of us don't walk into the room looking for, okay, who can I serve? We walk into the room wondering, okay, who's going to serve me? We don't walk into the room looking for the opportunity to wash someone's feet. We're looking for someone to wash our feet. We have the same problem the disciples have. Most of the time, we're, we're more interested in serve us than service. We say things like this, and I hear this quite often. I'm looking for a church that meets my needs and blesses me, not I'm looking for a place to serve and be a blessing. And we've turned this church thing upside down, thinking it's all about us, and not to offend you this morning, but it's not about you. We're not here for you. We're here for the Creator. We're here for God the Father. We're here to honor Him. That's what this is all about. It's not about you. We're not gathered here for you. We're gathered here to honor God. That is our greatest passion, our greatest purpose. And we carry that out as we, as we serve one another. Through the provision of Jesus Christ, each of us were adopted into God's family, and we are the body of Christ. And just as every part of the physical body as a function is an important, so it is, so it is with the body of Christ. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul uses the analogy of the human body to the body of Christ. So he gives us this word picture, if you will, of how your body is like the church, the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your scripture, if you have your Bible, you can look there with me. We don't have time to read the whole chapter this morning, so I encourage you sometime today, read the whole chapter. But beginning with verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12 Beginning with verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, but well, that would be scary, wouldn't it? I mean, think about that. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? So according to Paul, who is the body of Christ? The answer is we are. I'm going to ask you the question again, so now you know the answer, so you can help me out. Who is the body of Christ? We are. And look around the room. You're looking at the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ gathered as the Grace Covenant family. So how should the body of Christ function? Here's the answer. Interdependently serving one another. How should the body function? We are the body. How should the body function? Interdependently 
serving one another. From the Apostle Paul's words here in 1 Corinthians 12, I think there's three truths, three truths that we need to embrace and live out. And I'm going to give them to you quickly. First is this, just as the human body has many parts, so the body of Christ is made up of many parts that function together. In the physical body, your, your body, is absolutely amazing to God's creation and design. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're amazing. Go ahead and tell them. Somebody is saying, I was waiting for you to figure that out, right? But really, tr- truly, I mean, the way God created your human body, for individuals to say we involve from a monkey, I don't get it. Uh, too amazing. Too, absolutely too amazing. I, I, not that I'm a specialist on this. I'm by no means a specialist on this. Uh, but how many of you know you can Google anything? And so I did some Googling, and this is what I figured out or found out. That in your body, in the average human being, get this, there's 37.2 trillion, that's with a T, 37.2 trillion cells. Amazing. And if that doesn't wow you, get this, every day, every 24-hour period, you have 50 to 70 billion cells that are dying, and your body creates 50 to 70 billion new cells. Is that not mind-boggling? The wonder of how God created your body. And get this, every one of those 37.2 trillion cells function together. You don't, have a, you don't have cells out here saying, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. No. What? All of the cells are functioning together, and that's what makes the body healthy. Paul says, so it is with the body of Christ. We have all of these different parts, and we're all unique as to our design. Matter of fact, just look around the room. Take two seconds. Look around you in the balcony on the main floor. We look pretty different, don't we? I mean, a lot of different folks here with different abilities, different looks, different wiring. So we're all different, yet, as it is with the cells of your body, we should be functioning together. So we have different parts. We have, we have the Betty part. We have, we have the, the Jean part. We have the, the, the Cheryl part. We have the Brian part. We have the Kristen part. We have all of these different parts, yet we're functioning together as one body. That's how the body of Christ works. Different parts, yet, again, working together that the church might be effective. Hey, here's the second truth that Peter, excuse me, that Paul presents. He says, just as the human body has many unique parts, so in the body of Christ, every individual is created with unique abilities and every part is significant. You so unique abilities and every part, everyone in the room is significant, valuable, important. And that you have a part to play. You have a role to play. Again, think of the wonder of how God created our, our physical bodies. I don't know if you would be aware of this, but your body is made up of 650 different muscles. 650. I mean, you have muscles that you're not even aware of. But they're important. Because when you hurt one of those muscles that you don't even know how to pronounce it, it's going to let you know that there's a problem. 
Because why? Every muscle is important. And as the muscles function together, we can walk, we can run, we can lift. As our muscles function together, so our body is able to function. So again, it is with the body of Christ. We have a lot of unique abilities in the room today. And every individual in the room is significant. You're valuable. You're God's creation. And he's placed gifts in your life, not just for you to enjoy. He's placed abilities in your life for the benefit of others. And the church, again, is healthy, effective when all of these parts are are functioning together. Here's the third truth that Paul presents. Just as a human body is healthy when every part is functioning, so it is with the body of Christ. How many of you know, if you have a part of your body that's not working right, what do we call that? We say you are sick, right? A body part not working. You're sick. Or, or we say you're disabled. Why? Because there's a part of your body that's not working, therefore you're not, you're not at optimum health. Let's say, for example, that your heart's not functioning correctly. So you have this, this major organ that's pumping blood throughout your body. If, it's, if the heart's not functioning correctly, how many of you know you don't just have a heart problem? You have a body problem, Right? Because the rest of your body is dependent on what the heart's doing. And if the heart's not healthy, like, again, it affects the whole body. So if the body of Christ here, Grace Covenant, is going to be healthy, then what we need every part fulfilling its role. We need every part doing what it's supposed to do. So you're significant. You have a contribution to make. To find that place. So if you've not found your place to serve at Grace Covenant, then we want to help you. And let me tell you why we want, we want to help you. Not just because we want to get something from you. No, we want to help you because this is what we believe. Because Jesus said it. You're going to discover greater significance in life when you're making a contribution. When you're serving. When you find your place. You're going to discover greater joy. Not only greater significance, but greater joy. I'm telling you, there's nothing that fills me up more than being able to serve others. As you give out, God pours back. As you serve others, God's honored. I would even say it like this. As you serve others, you're actually serving God. Your service to others is worship to God. Well, you're taking the gifts he's given you and you're putting them to work to bless others. So we want to help you. We want to help you find your place. So I want to leave you this morning with with three action steps. The first is this. You need to identify, if you don't know, you need to identify your unique abilities. What is it? What is it that you love to do and God's gifted you to do? What is it that you're passionate about and you have abilities to, to be able to to make a difference. What might that be? See, we want to help you find that place. Because this is what we discover. This is what we've discovered is, is if we help you find the right place, dynamic things happen. If we help you find the right place, the body of Christ thrives. Why? We, you get people in right places and uh, it's just natural. Ministry naturally flows. But for example... If I were to go into the four-year-old's classroom, 
they would not have a good Sunday. It wouldn't be good. That's not my area of passion. That's that's not my area of of ability. I'm kind of like the drill sergeant. They wouldn't have a good time. And I wouldn't have a good time. It would just be a bad experience for everyone. But if we find the right individual who has a passion for four-year-olds and they have the ability to invest in four-year-olds, that's their gifting. And we get that individual in that four-year-old classroom, guess who's going to have a phenomenal time? The four-year-olds. And on Monday, they're going to be saying to mom and dad, when can we go back to church? On Tuesday, when can we go back to church? Why? Because we got the right person in the right place where they had their passion and their ability, and they were living that out. And it's changing the lives of four-year-olds. Pretty amazing. So the first step, if you don't know, well, what, are, what are the unique abilities that God's given you? And we have a class called Discover. We would love to help you. If you say, hey, I have no idea, we would love to come alongside you and just help you make the discovery so that you can come to the second step. Here's the second step. You need to find your place to add value and strength to the body of Christ. What I'm confident of, and you've heard me say this before, but it's so true, we are better together. We're better and more effective when every person is doing what they were created to do and fulfilling their role in the church. Listen, just as our physical bodies work best when every part is functioning, right? So it is. So it is with the church. So if you're new to grace and and you've not found a place to serve, or maybe you've been here for a while and you've been kind of slipping in, slipping out, you've been kind of like playing undercover and you think you're undercover, but we have you on camera. We know who you are. Just kidding, I'm kidding. But, but listen, if you've been here for a while and you've not found your place, we want to help you find your place. Why? Because again, it's there that you discover significance. It's there that you get to, to bless others. It's there that you get to honor God. It's there that you help us be effective in the mission that God's given us. So find your place place to add value and strength to the body of Christ. Right after this service, you can go to Clinton Hall. They have tables set up. There's people there to answer questions you might have. You can grab a donut, mess up your lunch, get a cup of coffee, hang out for a while, ask some questions. Listen, we would love to help you find your place to be an effective part of what God's doing here. Grace covenant, the body of Christ. Here's the third point of action that I would challenge you to. Choose to be a contributor, not just a consumer. What you don't want to do, folks, is just go through life being a taker. Find your place to make a contribution. What I know is that God created you for more than just filling a pew on Sunday. He created you with abilities to make a contribution. So here's the question, what will your contribution be? This is really important. At the end of your life... Hear me, friend, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, the Scripture clearly says that we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of our lives. Every one of us. We have to answer to God. Matter of fact, this is how the Scripture reads. It says each of us will have to give a personal account to God. I mean, think about the implications of that. 
On that day, whenever that day is, and hopefully for you it's a long ways away, but whenever that day is, you don't want to stand before God and say, well, I just, I just consumed it all. You don't want to do that, friend. What you want is you want, you want to experience the reward that comes in your life with the contribution for how you serve, for what you did with your life. Again, what matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. What will your donation be? Because on that day, hear me, every one of us in the room, want to, we want to hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Hear me, you can only live well and finish well. If you make a decision to be a contributor. So I do a lot of funerals in my role. A lot of funerals. And to be honest, some funerals are really tough. Really tough. But then there's other funerals um, that are not, they're not, they're easy. I would almost even say they're a delight. Because I get to get up and tell someone's story and I basically say this is who they are and this is how they live. And this is how they influenced others through their lives. Listen, to live well and finish well. It can't just be about consuming. It has to be about contributing. What contribution will you make with your life? This is what I know. Through serving, through serving others will be Others will be blessed, and, and you'll get to be a blessing. And you'll be blessed in the process. So others will be blessed, and you're going to be blessed in the process. Because as we give out, so God pours back into our lives. Now, I would encourage you today, find that place, whatever that place might be, so that you can... You can be a part of what God's doing in the Grace Covenant family. Because you are a part and your role is significant to the whole. I encourage you to find that place. Amen? Be blessed and be a blessing. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.